Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. The Bible calls believers to give thanks at all times for all things. But how can you be thankful for the problems and pain you suffer? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers this question in light of God's Word, which reveals how seasons of hardship can often yield an abundance of blessing. To introduce the uplifting conclusion of his message, Living Thanksgiving, here's David. Well, I hope you're recovering from all the food you ate yesterday and that you're enjoying this uh, little break and getting ready for a really busy season at the end of the year. We talked about Thanksgiving yesterday as something we live, not something we say. And we're going to finish that up today as we continue to explore how wonderfully gifted we have been from Almighty God, how gracious He's been to us. And even in the dark days, we see the hope and help of His presence and how grateful we should be and how thankful we should be. So um, all of us need a little encouragement along the way for the important expression of thanksgiving in our lives. Stay tuned. We're going to do just that in just a moment. Uh, you can still get the book on angels. We have a couple of lessons left on angels before the month is over. Uh, the book is a 240-page softcover book that uh, contains all the material we've been talking about during these weeks. Ask for your copy of the book on angels when you send your gift to Turning Point. If you have the angel material or you would rather have something else, here's an option for you. You can get the movie, Why the Nativity, on DVD for a gift of any amount. That's right, the whole movie on DVD, and it'll be there in time for you to use it at Christmas for your family. Maybe you teach a class in your church, or you want to use it in some way. Take the opportunity to use this movie to help people realize the real meaning of Christmas, which is the coming of Christ to be our Savior. When you send your gift, ask for these things that we're talking about, either the book on angels or why the nativity, and it will be sent to you right away. Well, here is... Living Thanksgiving, Part 2. Let's get started. Thanksgiving is the one indispensable part of praying, according to the Scripture. Ruth Graham learned that lesson one night as she was traveling abroad. The wife of the famed Billy Graham was worried about her children because they were rebelling at that time. She lay in bed and tried to pray, but she just got more anxious as the night went on. She looked at the clock, and it was around 3 o'clock in the morning. She was exhausted, and she knew she would be unable to go back to sleep. And suddenly the Lord seemed to say to her, quit studying the problems and start studying the promises. Opening her Bible, the first verses that came to her were Philippians 4, 6, and 7. As she read those words, she realized that the missing ingredient in her prayers had been thanksgiving. In everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. She put down her Bible and spent time worshiping God for who and what he is. And she later wrote, I begin to thank God for giving me this one I loved so dearly in the first place. I even thanked him for the difficult spots which had taught me so much. 
And you know what happened, she wrote? It was as if someone turned on the lights in my mind and heart and the little fears and worries which like mice and cockroaches had been nibbling away in the darkness suddenly scuttled for cover. That was when I learned, she wrote, that worship and worry cannot live in the same heart. They are mutually exclusive. Thanksgiving is the key to getting rid of worry. Quit worrying about the things you don't have and thank God for the things you do have and you will see what a difference that makes. All of us have empty places in our lives, things that we wish we could do or that we had or we could acquire or whatever that might be and we always fixate on those. We fixate on the things we don't have and we don't praise God for the things we do have. I don't care what you've lost this year but whatever you have that God has given you is much more important than what it is you think you don't have. Thanksgiving is, the Bible says, it's the key that opens the door to prayer. Have you read this verse in Psalm 100? Enter into his gates, how? With thanksgiving. And into his courts, how? With praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The Bible says, if you want to get into prayer, you got to walk through the door of thanksgiving. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Some people, when they pray, it's like, it's a list of things they want and not even a mention of things they have. Here the psalmist pictures us walking into the presence of God. We come through the gate that opens the door to his presence, and the key that opens the gate is gratitude and thanksgiving. And here's one that I never really thought of too much. I've always known it was there, but in light of what we're talking about, it's pretty amazing. And that is not just Thanksgiving in the morning and in the evening, not just Thanksgiving at midnight, not just Thanksgiving when you eat. Try this one on. Thanksgiving forever. Thanksgiving in eternity. Thanksgiving isn't going to end when heaven begins, folks. Thanksgiving goes on out into the future. Did you know that some of the hymns we will sing in heaven will be Thanksgiving hymns? We're going to spend eternity giving thanks to Almighty God for our redemption. Someone reminds us that the Lord Jesus in heaven will be in his human body as we know it in his resurrection body and he will still have the scars in his body, the price that he paid for our redemption. Every time we see Jesus, we'll want to just say thank you. We'll break out into praise and I thought I'd give you a little taste of what that's going to be like. Here is one of the hymns that I found in the book of Revelation. Revelation 11, and the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and you have reigned. A thanksgiving hymn from the future. Throughout eternity, we're going to be filling heaven's quarters with the sound of thankful praise and worship. I often think if we're going to do that forever, we should start practicing now, don't you think? We should do a little rehearsal. We're going to give thanks forever. Now, I'm going to make this really practical because there's a special psalm in the Bible that gives us a clue as to how we can be perpetually thankful. Here it is. It's Psalm 119, verse 164. I don't know if you've ever seen this verse, but it's really neat. It says this, seven times a day I will praise you. Now, we all know that seven is a really important number in the Bible. It's the number of the days of creation. Seven is a big number. In the book of Revelation, it's the most popular number. It's the number of completeness. You say, well, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you how to do it. 
because I think this is a good plan. Here you go. When I wake up in the morning, I will praise him. When I eat breakfast, I will praise him. When I take my morning coffee break, I will praise him. When I eat lunch, I will praise him. When I take my afternoon break, I will praise him. When I eat dinner, I will praise him. And when I pillow my head at the end of the day, I will give thanks. Seven times a day. And you don't even have to think about that, do you? It's just a part of getting up. How do you become a person of gratitude? You know, in habit formation, there's a thing called triggering. If you've ever read any habit formation books, it's a really great thing. Some things that you can put into your life trigger you doing other things. I'll give you an illustration. Have you ever been in your car and you're going someplace and you look at the gas tank and it's getting empty and you don't have time to fill it up before you get where you're going because if you stop, you'll be late? So then if you've had this experience, you get back in the car and you forget that it's empty and then you be reminded of it about 10 miles later because you ran out of gas. That's happened to me a lot of times. So I came up with a little trigger. Here it is. When I'm getting low on gas and I don't have time to stop, I take a sheet of paper and I put it over the steering wheel. Well, that's pretty odd when you get in your car. What's that doing on the, oh, I gotta get some gas. That's what I'm talking about here. When you get up in the morning, before you do anything else, just thank God. Let getting up in the morning be a trigger to be thankful. When you eat breakfast, you probably do this naturally anyway. Thank him for breakfast. Thank him for the day. Here's one that's hard, depending on where you work. <laughs> when you have a break, thank him. When you break for lunch, thank him. When you have your afternoon break, thank him. When you eat dinner, thank him. Before you go to bed, thank him. Seven times a day, I will give thanks to the Lord. Everything we do, everything we speak is to be done in a spirit of gratitude. You say, well, I can't just walk around like some zombie being grateful all the time. That's not what this is about. This is about just turning your flashlight on seven times a day and looking at what God has done and saying thank you. We ought to always be thankful. Here's what an old preacher said about it. He said, we ought to be thanks living, not thanksgiving. I think that's a better way, by a general cheerfulness of manner, by a perpetual constant delighting ourselves in the Lord and submission of our desires to his mind. Oh, I wish that our whole life might be a psalm, he wrote, and that every day might be a stanza of a mighty poem that from the day of our spiritual birth until we enter heaven, we might be pouring forth praise every day in every way. So the first major thought about Thanksgiving in the Bible is, we're to be thankful at all times. And we all know that's true, and we're all sitting here thinking, you know what, tomorrow when I get up, I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. If I'm not doing it already, I'm going to do it. And if I'm doing it already, I'm going to affirm it, make sure that it's a permanent part of who I am. That's the easy part. Here's the hard part. We're to give thanks not only at all times, but we're to give thanks in all things. Oh, you say, Pastor, you know what kind of week I had? You know what's going on in my marriage? You know what's going on where I work? And I'm supposed to be thankful in that? This is a strange one for some of you. And I'll be honest with you. We've been conditioned by guilt not to accept this. Here's a verse of scripture that I've written down that I think will help some of you who may struggle. Because, you know, some people have a problem with being thankful for is prosperity. You say, no, pastor, that isn't true. 
Yes, it is. I know a lot of Christians whom God has blessed, and they don't know how to be thankful. In fact, they feel guilty that they've been blessed. They've been to some sermon that says you've got to be poor the rest of your life. And I get that. We need to be sacrificial in the way we live. But listen to me. If God has blessed you, and he's made it possible for you to have more than the average that people have, don't walk around complaining about it. Give God thanks. And here's the issue. It's not how much you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have. Here is Paul's instruction to young Timothy a pastor who perhaps was dealing with this in his church. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. If God has blessed you with some blessing, enjoy the blessing and give thanks to God. I mean, I hear people preach on the first part of that, But I don't ever hear people preach much on the last part of it. That is that we should enjoy the things that God gives us. Have you been around Christian people when God gives them something? They may have received an inheritance or someone gave them a new car out of nowhere and they're trying to tell you about it. And by the time they get done with all the disclaimers, you feel like they're embarrassed that God did something for them. Well, you know, it didn't cost very much, and, and it wasn't really a new car. It was an old car, and it was, had some paint off of it. And Come on. Why should we not be thankful for all things? Now, if you got it illegally, don't blame God for that. <laughs> but if God has blessed you, and you have been faithful to God in your walk with him, and he's blessed you with something good, why can't you rejoice and give him thanks? And when you do that, God will show you how you can use what he gave you to bring blessing to other people and encourage them. It's not how much you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have. Alexander McLaren told Christians to always seek to cultivate a buoyant, joyous sense of the crowded kindnesses of God in your daily life. Did you get that? The kindnesses of God in your life are crowded. There's so many of them, if you're not careful, you won't notice them. When God blesses you, if you are experiencing prosperity, I know some of you are. Don't apologize for it. Don't give conditions for it. If it came from God, give him thanks. Amen? Amen. Amen. And some of you are saying, I'd like to have that experience. (laughs) Pastor, you tell the Lord, if he prospers me, I'll take care of it. All right? And then thankful for people. When you say I have to be grateful for people that live in my house and for the one that lives across the back fence and As I get older, here's what I've learned. The older you get, the less things matter and the more people matter. Sometimes when you're young, you think it's all in the trinkets and the things, and as you get older, you realize how foolish that is. Sometimes God will put a difficult person in your life to teach you patience. It's a little harder to say thank you for them sometimes, but you do it because you know that God is in control. One of the people who taught me this was the Apostle Paul. When I've read his letters, I've been so amazed at how many times he mentions people. And he actually mentions by name some of the people who troubled him, like Alexander, Demas. He doesn't leave them out. He mentions them, and oftentimes he has a little way of saying, thank you, Lord, for those people. These are letters that have been read by churches from the time Paul walked on this earth until today. And in every letter, Paul writes about somebody he's thankful for. And I don't know how he did that because his letters are not really long. But usually at the end of the letter, there's a whole long list where he says, say hello to him, say hello to him, thank God for him. He always is talking about people. 
Almost all of his letters begin by thanking God for the people he's about to write to. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians, he says, in the first two verses of the first chapter, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father. Paul needed and received encouragement from his friends just like we do. And when he arrived in Rome as a prisoner and saw the members of the church coming to greet him in Acts 28, 15, he thanked God and he took courage. When you come together and you see each other, you're thankful for one another. Sometimes you embrace, sometimes you just share what happened this week. Maybe it's a prayer request or a word of encouragement. Part of my understanding of this is the fact that Paul hardly ever talked about things. He always talked about people. People are the richness of life. And you know what? The older we get, the more we sense the disappointment there are in things, and the more we realize that relationships and people are the stuff of life. And we should be thankful. Thankful for prosperity. Thankful for people. Be thankful in all things, says Paul. What about this one? Thankful for problems and pain. Now, I've heard some sermons on this that are just absurd. That when you're going through a hard thing, you should just be thankful for the hard thing. You know, the Bible says be thankful in the midst of the hard thing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. First Thessalonians. Colossians says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In both of these passages about thanksgiving, we are told to be thankful in all things. That's where the struggle begins, isn't it? Sometimes we're going through some, and I know some of you are going through some things right now. I mean, all kinds of issues are facing us that we maybe haven't faced for a long time. In the midst of all of that, can you still be thankful? The Bible says you can be. The Bible says you should be. The Bible says as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's a part of your DNA. Here's what Henry Nouwen said, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. We're only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to everything that God has done to bring us to this place. I sort of learned that a little bit when I was going through cancer. I didn't want that, obviously. But you know what? I didn't get to vote on it. It just happened. And in the midst of it, God taught me to be grateful for the health that I had, for the family that I had, for the days that I had, for the hope that I had. You can be thankful in the midst of hard things. Most of all the really tremendous times of thanksgiving that we have chronicled in history have come out of problems and pain. I've not always been as careful to be thankful in times of great blessing and prosperity as I have when the hammer's been down, things have been tough. There's an old adage that says, prosperity's not a very good teacher, adversity is. Adversity teaches us a lot of things we can never learn when things are prosperous. I don't know what your trouble is or what you're going through. Maybe this is the year when the person nearest and dearest to you has gone on to be with the Lord. How can you be thankful at such a time? Oh, you can be if you determine in your heart that you will be. 
by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say to yourself, I will be thankful to Almighty God. One Saturday years ago, I was in my office. I was still a pastor in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was preparing a message. I was going to preach on Psalm 100. This is the passage that tells us to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. During the time I was preparing the message, my phone rang, and it was a call from a family that Donna and I had loved deeply while pastoring a church there. They were so faithful. They never, ever missed church. They were so involved in what we were doing, teaching, working in the nursery, wherever they were needed. They had delightful children, and they were about the same age as our children. They often played together. And the caller told me that there had been an accident in the woods and a portion of a tree had fallen on one of their boys. And he'd been pinned for over an hour before the ambulance arrived and it appeared that the young man would be paralyzed from the waist down. Well, that just destroyed my afternoon. I love those people and I wept and I couldn't get it out of my mind. This kid, I remember him visually. He was a blonde-headed kid with great athletic ability, full of life. And in one moment, his life was shattered and changed forever. I wrestled with my own thoughts and emotions until evening. And then I placed a call to the intensive care unit of the hospital to see how he was doing. Frankly, I didn't know what to say, but I didn't have to say anything. The boy's father answered the phone, and this is what he said to me. I wrote it down in my journal. That's how I can remember it so graphically. He said, Pastor, I want you to know that my wife and I are, first of all, thankful that our son is alive. Second, we're thanking God that it wasn't the upper part of his body that was paralyzed. And thirdly, though we don't understand why, we know God is good and that somehow in the midst of this, he has a plan for our son's life that must go beyond anything we can imagine. Though it's hard and we wish it hadn't happened, We have committed it to our God, for he is good. And I hung up the phone, and I went back to Psalm 100 and thought how it changes every situation to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Always thankful for what we have, not for what's been taken from us. I wonder today, is the race of life wearing you down? Try a moment of thanks. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a tool God has given us. What a tremendous blessing it is to know how to be thankful and then to be thankful. You say, well, I have a thankful mind. Thanksgiving isn't thanksgiving unless it's given. Don't walk around saying, well, I'm just full of gratitude. You need to let it out or it doesn't count. (laughs) You can't be full of something like that and just say, well, I'm just a grateful person. Tell somebody, demonstrate it. You aren't grateful unless you show it. You're not thankful unless you do it. And what a time for us to be reminded of that in this year that's so mixed up with so many nuances that we don't even know how to sort them out. But the one thing we do know that in the midst of it all, God has given us this paradigm of thanksgiving. And let me just say this to you today. If you are not a Christian, 
You cannot really say thank you to God until you say the first thank you. Thank you, Lord, for coming to be my Savior. That's when you express your gratitude to God for the very first time. Have you said thank you to the Lord by receiving that gift? He can give you the gift all he wants. If you don't receive it, you haven't accepted it. You don't have the benefits from it. So let me just wrap that up by telling you that you can receive Jesus Christ today. During this wonderful season of gratitude to God, the best thing you can ever do is to say yes to him. He knocks on the door of your heart and wants to come and be your savior. Will you let him in? Will you say, Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven for my sin. I want to become a Christian. I acknowledge that you are the Son of God and my Savior, and I trust you to save me from my sin. Will you please come and forgive me and give me the gift of eternal life? He will do it, and there will be a momentary change in your life. Your life will be different because you have put your trust in Christ. Well, we're going to take a a break for the weekend, Uh, maybe When I say break, that'll be true for a lot of you, just to get your breath back from the excitement of these last two days. And then on Monday, we're going to talk about Jesus and the angels and show you how they intervened in Jesus' life on many occasions. Don't miss Monday. We'll see you then. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special message, Living Thanksgiving, Please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, What the Bible Reveals. Uplifting and helpful, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Available in several distinctive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we resume the series, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, on Turning Point. Angels are a fascinating topic, and yet with all the theories concerning them, how can we know what's fact and what's fiction? In his book called Angels, Dr. David Jeremiah uses scripture to help readers of all ages understand the truth about these agents of heaven. You'll receive angels with our thanks for a gift of any amount to Turning Point. And for a donation of $70 or more, we'll send you the angels set, which includes a book, study guide, and CD album. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. Here is something I've discovered through the years when talking with people. There's the good reason, and then there's the real reason. Sometimes people are afraid to admit the real reason for their actions or fears. They're afraid of what others might think, afraid they'll be made fun of. 
The book of Proverbs says that the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Drawing out the real reasons from a hesitant heart takes love, tenderness, and patience. But it can be done. God may want to use you this week to open someone's heart. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to help others on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.